the show i'm your host dj i'll tell you what we're gonna be partying with the navajo rangers tonight and they said if you want to run with us you got to bring the big dogs in and so we did so here's the co-creator the co-conspirator of this joint money nathan the compass okay of this thing the, the directional compass of this joint a study of uap's deb the host of deb's data dojo and the new edition, baby. That's what we're talking about. Prime time. Leah Prime right here, host of, is it Invisible Night School? Yep, the Invisible Night School. That's what's up, the new edition. And the legend, the Bigfoot field investigator, content creator, and analyst, host of Bigfoot Crossroads from Oklahoma, Matt Knapp. <laughs> Jeez. I got to live up to that hype? <laughs> Welcome, The man. legend, baby. We're not playing around. Okay. All right. And I want to tell, so I, I want to tell everybody, you know, tonight, obviously, we're having these guys on, the Navajo Rangers. Uh, we're extremely excited to have the new addition and Matt Knapp. Uh, he's part of Cab Fan, baby. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, these interviews don't just come out of the ether. A lot of times, we need to ask people's help to get contact with someone that really we really want to speak with. And I became aware of Jonathan um, over a year, about a year ago, I'd say, uh, hearing him on a podcast. And then it just took about this long for me to find someone to get hold of him. Uh, in the past, Vinny Adams has helped us get guests. James Eindoli has helped us get guests. Sometimes we help people get guests, but uh, you really do need that assistance. And in this, this um, uh, situation here, it was uh, Jenny, Jenny Gomberg, that, uh, that helped us out uh, through Deb. Uh, and connected us with John, who connected us with Stam, and we were able to book these gentlemen. Um, she has two friends who are big fans of the Navajo Rangers and of the genre of, of Bigfoot, of paranormal, and nine and ten year olds. So Landon and Lane, and or Lane and Landon. I don't know who gets top billing here, <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Thanks a lot. Shout out to you, Landon and Lane, from us from Cab One Love, and thank you very much. Uh, please uh, 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 join us as much as possible, and uh, we'll have some conversations. We might even bring you on, man, so you can tell us what you're thinking. That would be really cool. We haven't had any really young guests. And now, money, mm -hmm. it's, it's time to bring on the guest of honor, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> these two gentlemen here, they are the heroes of the Navajo Nation that done put their bacon on the line investigating a whole lot of paranormal craziness to bring a sense of peace and security to their reservation. So put your hands together for John Dover and Stan Milford Jr. <laughs> Thank you. Put those Thank hands you together. <laughs> Great to have you guys with us. Yes. It's good to be here. It's it's good to have you, okay. brothers. Uh, 
I'm not hear hearing me, anything on my side. I don't know. Oh, what's we lost going the on. lost the audio from John. We can hear him, but he can't hear we us. We hear John. We hear you. We hear you good. So, um, I can uh, go offline, Nathan. If you want to get us started, I will call John uh, on cell phone and see if I can help. Here, him let me get... let me exit real quick, and okay. I'll be right back. He's going to come back and sure. come back in. So we'll, we'll okay. go ahead and get get started. I think that's okay. fine. Uh, I so do want to say yes. hi to Landon and Lane that called Woo! in. Our fans, awesome. thank you. That's so cool. Yeah, it's super cool. Uh, yeah, Landon Lane, hope you're listening, and uh, hopefully we get to ask a question that you're interested in. Really exciting to have those young listeners uh, with an interest in the paranormal and in what you guys are doing. Um, and again, great to have you guys with us. All right, so John's coming back in. Let me see if I can get him on. John, can you hear us now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Excellent. Beautiful. Welcome back. Okay. Um, all right, so we've got both you guys. Dwarf uh, John's at the bottom of the screen. Um, gentlemen, so after uh, having had an opportunity to speak with John, uh, one of the things is that uh, we understood that a lot of people would sort of uh, speak with you and want to just dig into all the craziness that's happened and, and not really get to know you. And I was fascinated when I saw that episode on Unsolved Mysteries, episode four. These brothers were on Netflix. Um, John's been on... Um, I know, yes, I think one of you or both of you were on Ancient Aliens and you've been on uh, Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. Um, but what I'm really interested in is sort of when you when you arrived at this particular reservation, can you sort of talk about what your connection was with the Navajo Nation going in that informed how eventually you were selected? Can you talk about, uh, beginning with you, if you want, Stan, uh, I know Matt's family's from Tahlequah, so um, so he was excited uh, about this this interaction tonight. What what was your connection to the the tribe prior to moving out there to uh, the Arizona res? Actually, I arrived at the Fort Defiance Hospital as an infant <laughs> um, there in Fort Defiance, Arizona, on the Navajo Reservation. So I was born here, and oh. uh, but as about a two-year-old, my mother and father separated, and me and my older sister were taken back to Oklahoma, where we were raised in Tahlequah and that surrounding area. And uh, but we would we would travel back and forth in the summertime uh, when we were kids uh, back to the Naval Reservation. So, um, so for me, it, you know, between Oklahoma and and the Naval Res, that's where I grew up. And uh, so, yeah. And John? Well, for me, um, I grew, I was born in Los Angeles and uh, uh, California. I like to say that in 1976, I escaped and uh, <laughs> haven't, haven't really been back since. So, uh, but I'm also, uh, also spent all my summers. Uh, even when I was an infant in uh, Navajo, up near Narbona Pass area, up in the mountains, and um, so, you know, I'm I'm part Navajo. I'm also part uh, Southern Cheyenne, and what they now call Apache Tribe of Oklahoma, which is uh, they used to call Kiowa Apache. So I have uh, Plains Tribe in me on uh, on two sides. And then, uh, believe it or not, I'm also part Filipino. Wow. 
I mean, did they do a blood sample on both you guys just to check with the tribal DNA before you they signed you on as Rangers? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, actually, they do a, uh, a CIB, a Certificate of Indian Blood, and you have to be at least a quarter uh, to uh, enrolled member of the tribe. I wasn't too far off. Uh, money, <laughs> so we're going to go in sort of a circular format. So Nathan will go, Debs will go, Leah and Matt. So uh, mm -hmm. money, Nathan, sir. Yeah, so uh, both of you guys, it's so good to have you with us. And uh, I think folks Thank have you. been familiar with uh, the work, work that you've done. Anybody that's watched uh, the shows that DJ mentioned. Um, you know, one thing that came up a lot in the Unsolved Mysteries mm -hmm. episode, that I wanted to see if we could get into a little bit more deeply. I wanted to ask you both on a personal level, like how have your investigations into the paranormal kind of changed the way that you look at the world and, and sort of generally, but also how you interact with other people? Like, has it changed the the way that you approach reality. John, you want to take it or you want me to jump in? Uh, you go ahead. Um, it has definitely impacted the way I look at, at really life and in general. Um, one of the big cases that I dealt with that had a phenomenon that was really an eye opener was uh, a haunting case in which the building, um, the office space, um, there was a phenomenon that's known as an apport. So when a physical object appears out of thin air or it disappears or moves, um, they refer to that as, as an apport. But in that particular case, um, one, of the, one of the most common phenomenon was coins would materialize out of thin air out of nothingness and fall on the floor. Sometimes they would come flying across from the top corner of a room, you know, 30 or 40 feet across the room. And, and sometimes they would hit us. But in two days, there was a total of uh, 65 coins that, that apported or materialized. And so when you actually witness this, I witnessed at least 10 times uh, these coins uh, materializing out of nothingness, then you realize that um, really even uh, what you see in, in the movie or television show, Star Trek, where you have people that are teleporting from one location like the, the spaceship down to a planet or something, you actually realize that in theory, that is actually possible because you have a solid, tangible, physical object that that is coming from some other uh, space, whether that's another dimension or, you know, another plane. So that one had the biggest impact, I think. Uh, like I said, I witnessed that. Sometimes science and will say, oh, that's not pos possible with, with, with our physics, you know. But I... I repeatedly seen it happen and so did others. Hmm. So I know it is possible. That yeah, opens up a thing to all of these other paranormal phenomena like the Bigfoot and other things that may be dimensional type uh, phenomenon or, you know. 
Right. And, and you touched on that in the show, that the dimensional aspect, and it, it gives the impression that it's just, it's right there. It's there all the time. It's always near and nearby. And so how does that right. change the way that you look at maybe what we can understand to be normal things that happen in our life? Do you, do you get the sense that do you have that felt presence that, that it is that close or uh, what, what's the barrier there, the boundary for you? Well, one of the things is that if, you know, recently we have this new, uh, Web telescope that's opened up greater images of the universe. And uh, if you know, we with the human brain can't really comprehend the vastness of our universe. Uh, we know that there are most likely other planets similar to Earth that could be occupied or inhabited by other beings. Uh, and just that sheer vastness of, of space, um, you know, we're getting today uh, UAPs or UFOs, objects that are that are in a lot of different styles and shapes and colors. And and uh, so it lends to the idea that these objects are coming here from vast space, you know, vast parts of our universe you, you gotta admit though stan like when you think about somebody has to go to a coin laundromat you know if you would have had that plus the vending machines it could have been a really good situation to have those turn up in your house right you're like i gotta go to the coin laundromat i know it's like two dollars a machine dollar fifty for the dryer then you have the soda you want to get some fritos and stuff this could have been a good situation when you think about it you would be like well hey, send I, more because i got laundry tomorrow i had a relative in in one of the incidents was at another residence where the coins were materializing. And that individual said, well, hell, if it's going to throw money, at least it could throw bills. <laughs> and a wadded up bill came flying across the room and hit his mother right in the cheek. Woo! I leaned over and I picked up that bill and it was wadded up. And as I unraveled it, it had the word D-I-E on it. And the E was like a pitchfork. So Apparently, it wasn't too happy with, with, with uh, that comment. So wow. I'm definitely going to laundromat with that one, man. Yeah. <laughs> Get in there, man. Now yeah. I'm just kind of hoping some money shows up while we have this talk. But anyway. Um, well, so, it still happens today right. uh, to me. That's, to that was from in 2009, and it's still going on to this very day. Oh, it can happen to me anywhere. I can be in California uh scotland it happened in scotland uh it anywhere like i'm at need a, an assistant um anyhow I'm, I'm volunteering <laughs> now okay um so my my question is i'm really interested in um this mistaken belief that um people are going to have ontological shock because of uaps and i believe actually most cultures on the planet um, except the paranormal is normal. And I was wondering what your perspective was when you began working um, on the reservation in these investigations, if you believe that people experiencing the paranormal ex like had less shock and more acceptance and sort of some thoughts on that. Well, in my understanding, we found out that uh, on on Navajo uh, 
nation. People are very accepting of the idea that there are uh, UFOs out there. Uh, they see them all the time. Uh, we ask them during the, uh, the investigations we conduct, why don't you report these to some state group like MUFON and uh, a mutual UFO network? And they tell us over and over, well, if we report it, there's going to be a whole bunch of people come up here. And they're all, you know, hold hands and sing kumbaya and, and these things won't come back. And uh, we don't want that to happen. So uh, you have to understand that in Navajo culture, uh, the idea of star beings that have come to them in the past is still very much alive in the culture. And um, even, even like uh, stories like Meteor Creator, uh, where it's believed that uh, the gods, uh, three gods decided that they didn't want to live anymore. So they flung themselves at the earth uh, on a thunderbolt and hit the earth and are buried in the bottom of that crater. And so Navajos today avoid that place. They, they don't go there to, to be a tourist uh, because they said that those gods are sleeping and to dig in there and disturb them uh, could be very bad. So uh, the Navajo themselves uh, have Yebiche dancers during the uh, fall fall months. And uh, those dancers are representations of these gods that have come to them in the past. Uh, they also uh, have stories of Bigfoot that go back to the late 16, early 1700s. And their ideas, uh, just leave it alone. Uh, don't bother it. Don't look at it. Whatever you do, don't look at it. The uh, the fabled uh, legendary Navajo skinwalker is another case in point. As small children, you're taught all the time, you know, don't leave your fingernail clippings, your other, you know, things that come from you. Don't leave them laying around because if a if a skinwalker gets a hold of that, uh, they could change into a version of you and approach other people. So uh, there's a lot of this that goes on. It's, it's never spoken of, even, even ghosts and hauntings. Uh, it's never really spoken of out loud, but you're taught this stuff as you grow up and you become aware that there's a whole different world out there that uh, nobody knows about. This is, uh, man, uh, your, your culture is so fascinating that way. Um, let's turn it over to the new edition, Leah Primetime. Hey, thank you guys. Um, and, and John, Stan, so great to, uh, to meet you. So um, I'm actually going to piggyback right on Deb. Um, I think her and I probably have a similar vibe when it comes to what we're curious about. Um, I'm super fascinated by the role of mythology and culture in the paranormal. And so I'm wondering if your work is basically a modern continuation of traditional work done in your respective tribes. Basically, who was doing this kind of work um, in the tribes before you and before I think um, this, I guess, like modern framing or this modern approach. Pre-modern. Yeah. Well, We're like I would say traditionally, really, like who would be traditionally doing this kind of work? Uh, the thing is, in respects with dealing with those issues that people have, whether it's involving witchcraft mm -hmm. or um 
types of phenomena that would be considered taboo to to uh, to deal with. The medicine men are and were the ones that dealt with this um, directly. And even today for me and John, yes, we can go into a case and really we're there to uh, validate and determine uh, the nature of the phenomenon of what, what might be occurring. And, um, but we don't, we're not, we're not medicine men and we don't pretend to be. We, we do have contacts that we use to be able to handle those situations when they do come up. Mm-hmm. But um, so we're going into it using what we've learned as an investigator, uh, adapting and assimilating what we've learned as a criminal investigator to document these things. Um, and what we have learned throughout our lives in relation to uh, UFOs or hauntings or things of that nature. I'll let John speak. Yeah, we we stay respectful to all of the uh, traditions. Um, now, one tradition that that we did change, uh, and and I'll be right up front about it, the idea of talking about the Navajo Skinwalker, and we only really talk about the Navajo version. Uh, mm-hmm. Other tribes have other versions of of the shapeshifter, but. Uh, when we speak about it, it for us, it's kind of like uh, Toto pulling the uh, curtain back just a little bit so you can see the wizard behind there. Um, we are interested in getting information out that these things are actually real and they're not to be trifled with. Uh, so, you know, we go to great lengths. We've had a lot of uh, TV producers uh, literally ask us, can can we go out and look for skinwalkers? And we tell we tell them no, absolutely not, uh, bec- because uh, these things can kill you. Yeah. And um, you know, and, and we're not bashful about it. We tell everybody uh, we're we're not going to do that. Uh, and I'm not, I don't want one to be after me and my family. Uh, so and and we take measures to protect ourselves. And part of that is is a deep faith that we have. And uh, the other part is that we uh, will smoke ourselves or smudge ourselves and, mm-hmm. uh, and our houses uh, to keep ourselves safe and our family mem- members will do the same. That's so awesome. That's so uh, cool. Yeah, I love hearing about this, like these <laughs> rituals, it's so cool. Totally. Let me pass you off to Oklahoma's own Matt Knapp. Hello guys. Wow. Hello. I, I feel honored to be talking to you guys. Uh, cool. Watch the episode. I've known uh, Brenda Harris for years. I've had her on my own show and talked to her in depth Woo. about the Bigfoot stuff going on there multiple yeah. times. Uh, my first question for you guys is about the actual investigation stuff. Uh, whenever these calls come in, you get reports and you're sent out to investigate something. Uh, once you have done your investigation, then what do you report back and fill out paperwork? And is that paperwork filed somewhere? And as a second part to that, are you aware of any other, uh, non-tribal law enforcement agencies doing these same type investigations, maybe outside of the reservation? I'll let John start with that. 
Okay. Uh, one of the interesting things that we did is we were, we didn't volunteer for this. We were voluntold. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we were kind of shocked. You too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because, uh, as Stan will tell you, we, we don't have the traditional upbringing uh, of a typical Navajo. Uh, where you know we're we're split between several different tribes or two tribes you know or two different uh, geographic areas so we grew up knowing all this stuff uh, but we um, we're not afraid of it and uh, both of us are investigators so you know we actually have this desire believe it or not in law enforcement I know this is weird but we have a desire to actually help people and when you're seeing when you're seeing people that are absolutely terrified, they've gone through uh, basically a trauma in their lives and they don't know where to turn. First, right. they need somebody to at least tell them, hey, we're here for you and, and we're concerned for you. The second thing is, is we need to validate what it is and get them the type of help that they actually need. Yeah. Um, now, in one case, and I'll, I'll just really be brief here, we actually had a, a woman that uh, in law enforcement parlance, she would be considered an EDP, uh, an emotionally disturbed person. Uh, she spent all her life up in uh, California, and uh, she was basically taking a, a paper bag, uh, I'm talking grocery bag, uh, full of, you know, half full of drugs. And um, some of the drugs are pretty, pretty powerful. Um, she reports uh, skinwalkers coming to her house. She had inherited her, her mother's uh, house. It had no windows. It had no door. It was just a roof and, and a frame. And, uh, you know, with the walls. Wow. And it was right along the edge of a border town. So she says that these uh, offerings with feathers on them and stuff are being left. And she's she's really afraid because she thinks they're going to come after her. So we did the investigation. And in a nutshell, me and Stan tracked that place out. We found the footprints of seven individuals. And we tracked them to a trail behind her house that went back down the hill and into the town. What we determined was that these were other Navajos that uh, had used her house all these years as a crash pad to uh, go into town and drink and then have a place to stay with a roof over their heads. Um, she moves back and they didn't like that. So knowing the cultural aspects, they decided that they were gonna try to drive her out. And we told her, you know, this is, these are just drunks. Don't worry about it. They're they're not uh, witchcraft. And, it was uh, your typical Scooby Doo case. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, a couple of months later, our dispatch got a call, and it's the same woman, and she is literally crying on the phone, and she said, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." She says the state police wouldn't listen to her county. Uh, the tribal police, um, the city, nobody would listen to her because they, they knew of her background. Uh, and here come two rangers that took her seriously 
and took care of her case. She said her house is all fixed up, windows, doors, everything else. And she's uh, she's living in there with no problems. And so she called just to thank us. I, f I find what you guys do is, is very, very heroic. Um, Deb found out last week when she tried to investigate a haunted restaurant bathroom uh, <laughs> that how heroic it is the work you're doing. I'll let her tell that herself on the next go round. But let's turn over to Money Nathan. Yeah, so uh, I want to come back to this mythology sort of concept. And a lot of mythologies talk about ages and of time and, and of history and kind of what age we may be in. And I wonder if either of you have any thoughts about that, about the age of, of the time we find ourselves now. Uh, you know, because there does seem to be an interesting uh, mix or growing curiosity in these matters that maybe had been uh, absent before or had been suppressed quite a great deal. So as you've told your story, as you've been out in front of the public more with what you're doing, uh, what kind of response are you getting uh, from, from that? I'll let John jump in on that. Okay. Uh, we're getting quite an interesting response uh, because all we've done is, is a true investigator, when he goes into a case, he doesn't have a preconceived idea of what he's looking at. He goes into the case and starts looking at the evidence first. And then you go, uh, say, an accident. You look at skid marks, you look at the damage, you look at everything, and you put it together. And then you go talk to your witnesses and see if their statements match up with what you're getting as far as the evidence. Um, it's very impersonal at, on that level because you're not trying to have uh, an idea. Um, even Bruce Lee said, can you look at a situation without naming it? Naming it making it a word causes fear. So we don't go into these things fearful. We go in to do a job and uh, uh, we're going to do it uh, irregardless of, of what's happening around us. And uh, our job really, uh, and, and answering the last question too, after we get done with these, yes, we have to write reports. And uh, so they go into the, the system and they're locked down so that only we and the director, the chief ranger, has access to it so that nobody's in there, you know, searching out this stuff. Um, and we don't have, uh, I guess, numbers, a number system that'll fit any of them. So like Bigfoot calls will go under wild animal complaint. Uh, you know, just we just try to figure out where they can fit in so they go in our system. But we're not going to create any new numbers to say haunting uh, UFO, you know, we don't do that. Um, so it's, it's, it's rather interesting that, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but uh, there you go. I do want to let you know that uh, neither John nor I are still active law enforcement. Um, John retired, I think back in 2010 or 11, and uh, I recently retired in 2021 uh, from the Rangers Department. So, but that doesn't mean that when we're asked to help a family or an individual in regards to what they're something they're experiencing, we will still continue to 
try to help those individuals and and investigate whatever it is that they're experience excuse me experiencing i love it i, I love what you guys uh, have done and uh, when john and i had a great phone conversation the first time he told me basically uh for the audience out there these guys are are straddling everything from what a forest ranger does to what a law enforcement officer does and they're going all across the board to rescuing people to what sar does uh, uh johnson emt um so these guys really you know went out and handled everything and, and i love and stan said that you know when i saw the rangers they had a certain presence about them and i wanted to be a part of that um, so my question for you is, uh, and I'm going to rewind a little bit. So expect to go all over, Matt, this is going to be a nonlinear interview. We're going to take you all over the place, which <laughs> should be fun. So you won't be rooted in any one area. You don't know what to expect with the next question, but, um, it'll be good though. I can guarantee you that. Um, so, uh, when you guys were told, uh, that you two were picked, you know, based on that you weren't as rooted in the traditions, you weren't scared. Can you remember, Stan, a conversation that perhaps you and John had afterward? And we were like, oh, wow, uh, want to go get a beer tonight? I guess it's you and I that are going to be going out and searching for Bigfoot and chasing skinwalkers. Did you guys have a conversation like that uh, pre-doing your first one of these? Um, actually, John and I, you know, we had worked under special projects for quite a while. Um we were doing dignitary protection for sometimes when they would be doing motion pictures out on the reservation and you have Johnny Depp or Metallica or uh, we would be doing dignitary protection. Um, so we also were SWAT, SWAT team members. So John and I worked with each other for a long time uh, doing other work. And and even back in the day, there was cases that would come up. There were they weren't they were of a paranormal or uh, supernatural nature, but it was the incident where these two younger rangers went out and they were assigned to investigate a Bigfoot case involving an elderly grandmother, and so. At that point, it was really, it became official, you know, that it would be handled this way. And, uh, but I don't, I don't recall one incident of, of us going and having the beer. <laughs> uh, there, there's been plenty of those times. <laughs> but, I, I, we're going to yeah. get to that at the end, Stan, but I'm going to want to hear what you guys talk about now when you go for a beer, but that's going to be at the end. So uh, let me pass yeah. it over to, to uh, Debs. Yeah. So I will just briefly say before I ask my question that DJ was alluding to my attempt to go release a ghost from a restaurant because the waiter told us that the ghost was bothering guests. And as soon as I uh, went into the bathroom, I had a huge adrenaline rush and I was totally just like fine until the door closed on its own. And then I was done. <laughs> so, so I commend you for uh, what you do um, or, or did and uh, Deb, really appreciate you, that you say you're not scared. But Deb, um, you told the waiter, Deb's like, I, I got this. I, I'll go and investigate yes, this. She just I got did. up from, from her hors d'oeuvre and just went up there, man. 
No, that's oh, yeah. exactly that's exactly what happened. In fact, the manager is like, "Where are you going? Where Where are you going?" And I'm like, "I'm going to go look for the bathroom." And he's like, "Okay, it's up there." <laughs> Anywho, so um, yeah. my question is that from um, smudging petroglyphs to beliefs related to star and sky people, what are people getting wrong about Navajo beliefs? And what can we do to get the Navajo people to come out and tell their stories themselves? Oh boy, that's that's a good one. Um, the Navajo people are, uh, they do what they call oral history. Uh, so this information is passed down from one generation to the next uh, in in uh, in verbal fashion. So there's nothing written on it. Now, uh, you have to understand that when the Anglo first came to this country, you know, the, you hear the word savage. Um, the word savage was actually coined to include peoples that did not have a written language. And so they were considered uncivilized. But uh, you have the... Uh, the the uh, the five tribes that uh, that were on the east coast and uh, uh, the five great nations that came together in a confederacy uh, and they governed themselves using senators and representatives and uh, that model was actually taken uh, after the revolutionary war and used as a model to make our uh, current uh, government yeah the great so, peace yep right so you know there's there's a lot of that that goes on um we were by no means uh savages uh if you look at navajo history uh, uh and i'll use a medicine man as an example uh an enemy way dance or squad dance as they call it is a three-day ceremony that's held at three different locations the purpose is to go get medicine and bring it back. Um, over the course of three days, there may be 240 to 250 songs that are sung over those three nights. They have to be sung in an exact order that's memorized. There cannot be any mistakes. Like you can't accidentally switch verses around. Uh, you know, the, the, the song has to be sung exactly. Uh, if it is not done exactly, it negates the whole ceremony. And these medicine men are paid a lot of money to do these ceremonies. So uh, you would lose face and you would lose customers by doing something like that because word would spread. Uh, we call it Navajo Telegraph. Um, it, it goes from one end of the reservation to the other very fast. <laughs> so... Um, there is a history of information that has come down unadulterated. It's, and we've seen this in our investigations. We had an old man that had uh, entities walking around his house in the middle of the night. And we did three different interviews with him over four years that were recorded. Each interview uh, was translated and every one of them he said exactly the same thing. He didn't embellish it. He didn't forget anything. He just told it exactly the same way as he told it the first time. 
And that's proof to me that uh, a lot of this information is uh, that comes to us from the past is correct. It's uh, yeah, the the, the history. Uh, I think what you know what she's alluding to basically. There's a lot of information I think you have that would inform the topic among non-native people, and so that you know we're hoping that it, at some point there can be that that sort of joining where we can we can learn um, the lessons that came before we were here. But with that, let me pass it over to Leah Primetime. Wonderful. Um, and I'm just loving this conversation so far, by the way. Um, so, so the mechanics of these investigations are really fascinating to me. Um, and coming from more of a ufological and spiritual perspective, I'm very familiar with how when people encounter something strange or uncanny, a figure of legitimate authority, taking them seriously, listening to their concerns, and even escalating into a full investigation really helps provide a sense of stability and guidance. So my question for you is what your triage process is like for escalating reports into full investigations, and then also how you assess the trauma faced by reportees. So like what kind of support is available for them that are trying to process or integrate their experience? Um, sometimes when the dispatcher would be receiving the call, mm -hmm. she would she would inform us that um, that maybe they're the victim or reporting person in that case is um, you know they when they have that initial call with the dispatcher, they may have an elevated uh, voice or yelling or uh, things of that nature that is later given to us. Uh, and so that communication between the dispatcher and, and the ranger would let us know uh, to basically formulate an idea of how serious that particular case is. There was a time when, you know, John and I would be receiving multiple types of calls uh, in and around the same time. And we would basically have to sort through which one would have the priority um, and be dealt with, you know, first through the, the ladder. And, you know, cases involving witchcraft and stuff. Um, a lot of times those are, are of a ser serious and more dangerous nature. Um, so some, some of those calls would be, they would be the first ones that would be initially uh, responded to. It's absolutely frightening. <laughs> when, I, when I saw dark, dark winds, and that that lady, <laughs> that lady in dark winds. I was like, I, I think I was looking out from under the bed covers at the TV set, man. So, yeah, yeah. You guys were like, oh, I have to go up to the house and knock on the door. Oh yeah. man. And she... <laughs> yeah. All right, let me turn over to Oklahoma's own Matt Knapp, the Bigfoot outlaw. Did you guys ever find any patterns or correlation between different? things such as Bigfoot and UFO sightings at the same time or anything like that? We saw increases 
in uh, the reporting uh, that correlated with each other. If we had more cases coming forward of sightings of Bigfoot, we had corresponding cases of UFOs, what, what we would call flybys. Um, we would ascertain the type of craft. Was it an orb? Was it a uh, cylinder? You know, what was it? Cigar shape, saucer shape, um, you know, square, triangle. And we would uh, kind of, you know, mentally record those. Uh, you can't really do a whole lot with them uh, because they're, they're so fast. Uh, maybe just a couple of seconds and they're gone. Uh, I've actually had an orb uh, come up to my vehicle uh, as I was driving down the highway, and it just zipped in and zipped back just in the blink of an eye. Uh, but it was a little red one, about maybe six inches in diameter. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you can't open an investigation to something like that because it's so fast. But uh, what we would do is, is um, uh, we would see the correlation within our department. We had an unofficial no-shoot policy when it came to Bigfoot. So if, if one of our rangers was in the field, we told them, unless it's attacking you personally or somebody else, uh, you will not shoot at it, you know, just wave at it, uh, you know. <laughs> And the reason we told them is that we said, we don't want you shooting at it, trying to bring it down just to shoot it. Because what if you shoot it and you find that there's a guy inside with a, a zipper on the back, you know, and he's playing playing a joke on some other people, you know, we don't want that kind of tragedy to happen. So, um, you know, just, just leave it alone. Um. And this this is for either one of you if uh, that that wants to take this. Was there a shift where you sort of rolled over in bed in the morning, if in fact you were on day shift or if you're on night shift, where there was a certain amount of fear because of what had happened the prior shift about going back out there? Was there an event like that 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 sort of you're like, man, I I don't know if I'm ready to go out there again. Actually, I've never had any of those. Uh, I've had neither have I. Very strange things happen, but um, you know we go through these things. We don't. We go into them with with absolutely no fear. Just do what needs to be done because nobody else is going to do it. And we get in there. We take care of the business. Uh, find out what it is. We get done. We might you know breathe a little. You know, you know, exhale and go. Wow, you know, I, I wasn't expecting that. But then we smoke ourselves, we bring ourselves uh, uh, in Navajo, they call it hojo, which is to get yourself back in balance. Uh, it, it recognizes that there's, uh, um, I don't wanna really say evil because there's a Christian connotation that goes with that, but there's negative things in the world and there's positive things and where you need to be is right in the middle of that, in balance, uh, not over on one side or the other. And uh, so we we smudge ourselves that way. We bring ourselves back into balance. We pray during that time with the intent that we're going to be protected. And we go back uh, on our job. I think the only, the only time that I ever had some adrenaline going was when I was 
Uh-oh. <laughs> Something <laughs> didn't want him talking <laughs> about it. Some timing there, huh, Stan? Yeah. I think they got yeah. him. They got him, Stan. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you yeah. smudged? Okay, let's yeah. see if it works now. <laughs> um, on, yeah. I, I, I do, as I turn over to Nathan, I just want to say really uncommon valor. I mean, that I, I think the people that are willing to go into a situation where there is an unknown entity, let's just call it that, that is scaring someone that's dangerous, that can move things like what Deb saw and is willing to go headlong into that, um, whether, I mean, all the way up until exorcisms and, and mediums. I, I think you guys are heroic. I really do, because um, a lot of us, including myself, don't want any part of that money. Uh, one of the cases that I dealt with, um, it was a haunting case, and there was um, there was an entity in this one residence, and uh, so I had a 12-inch butcher knife come out of one of those blocks that holds the knives and fly through a grapefruit that was in a little basket uh, next to me, but seeing the knife, you know, fly out of that. A good five or six feet, and uh, um, the 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 person who had the residence was traumatized. But I I pulled him aside and I said, you know, I laughed about it. I told him, I said, I said, don't give in to your fear in this because that's it's trying to elicit that fear. It's trying to get a response out of you. I said, obviously, if it wanted to hurt us, it it had the ability to do that, but um, but it's trying to convey some type of message in that, and uh, I think a lot of it goes back to our training in SWAT. Uh, you know, you're you're trained um, to be able to control your emotions and stay focused on your objective. And, um, you know, there's been times John and I have been, we've had, you know, we're being shot at and stuff. And, and uh, you just got to keep your cool and go back on what you've been trained and how you've been trained. And the other thing is John and I, I mean, for me, I've always had a strong spirituality. I've had a closeness with, I felt with my creator. And to not have to be afraid, you know, put put these things in his hands and let him deal with those things that, that you know. And so for us, a lot of times it's just, just staying focused. And and in uh, in some of the haunting cases or stuff involving demonic entities and things like that, it's trying to elicit that fear and it's trying to it's trying to get a response out of you. And uh, so we don't we we don't give in to that, you know. Um, you're you're always in the in those kind of cases. You're always cautious. You take protective measures, uh, but it's not like some of these television shows where they're jumping and running and all excited and everything like that. So. I, w- I want to say, though, Nathan, that sign with the butcher knife and the grapefruit could have been that Stan is low on vitamin C. It could have been, could have been. something Very as simple as that. Yeah. You know, I mean, Just trying to be helpful, right? I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, first of all, before I ask the next question, I just want to say it's really great uh, to hear both of you talk. And it's 
it's obvious to me and I think my co-host here that you have a, a strong relationship and uh, and you know yeah. you're, you're both very collegial. You've got a lot of experience together, and it's just great to hear you talk about what you've seen. Um, one thing that really jumps out to me in listening to you is the is the way in which the kind of the framework that you operate is more open to these kinds of experiences, right? So we, we know uh, outside of the, the reservation and, and, you know, kind of more westernized or modernized areas, there are people who have these experiences and there are even people who want to go investigate that. But the framework that people have of incorporating or, or understanding or coping with it just doesn't really exist. But where you're operating, it sounds like the, the openness is just, it's much more present that that it, you, there's not the stigma quite as much, but I don't know. Have you have you encountered a, a certain stigma even amongst uh, the reservation and and people who who you know, traditionally may be more open to this kind of phenomena? Uh, yeah, on the reservation, there there is a stigma, and you have to understand that over a long period of time, UFOs were ridiculed uh, officially by the U.S. government. Now, what we tell people when we speak is that uh, we don't hold any of the government's uh, ideas because uh, Indian tribes tend to have a, a very uh, uh, well-known distrust of the U.S. government. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, and then we give a shout out to any, uh, any people that are there from the government that came to listen to us and try to glean information from our talks because uh, we know that they're interested in the skinwalker phenomenon uh, because they want to create soldiers that can do this. Uh, they're interested in uh, stargates and faster than light travel. That's why they're interested in places like uh, Skinwalker Ranch, because uh, they think that there could be dimensional gates there and they want to know, can we control them? Can we weaponize them? Um, so there's a lot that's going on. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, and one of the things that I was going to mention too, that, that Stan brought up is we try not to be fearful with any of this. We found out early on that if you are fearful, uh, it helps whatever entity it is to manifest even more. And so if you went on an investigation with us, it would actually be pretty boring because <laughs> things things might be happening, things might be moving or, or flying across the room, and we're not going to react to it. We're just going to go, oh, yeah, you know, mark down, you know, time, location, all that kind of stuff, and uh, take some pictures of whatever it is. And, and, uh, and, and just so you know, Stan's talking about 65 coins over two, two nights. Um, he calls me uh, when these things first started appearing and he says, uh, what do you recommend? And I says, well, it's just like any other evidence. Uh, you're going to have to map it out in the room from two different walls, measure it, uh, fix it in the room, photograph it, bag it, tag it, and put an evidence number on it. And that poor guy had to do that 65 times. No car wash, no vending machines. <laughs> yep. Okay, that's terrible. You know, I, I feel really bad for him. Uh, I really, I mean, because there, there's, you know, a lot of ho-hos and different snacks that he could have had. Uh, Debs. Yep, so um, actually one of, one of my uh, more interesting authors 
on my shelf back here that you guys can't see, but um, is already six killer Clark. And she spoke to indigenous people in several nations and several countries. Um, and one thing that stood out to me was that when she spoke to some people who were Mayan, they said that the star people are not aliens. They're us. We're the star people. And I was wondering if you've ever heard anything from experiencers along that vein, because a lot of people are clinging to that idea now that we might actually be related to the star people. There's, there's people that say that these uh, uh, entities that are showing up are our future selves or, or time travelers. Uh, there's some that say that they are in a parallel dimension um, and, and string theory posits that there could be a dozen or an infinite number of other uh, uh, planes of existence that uh, exist in different frequencies. So we can't see them, but some are so close that they spill over from time to time. Uh, I'm not certain that these things are coming from interstellar space. Uh, otherwise, I think we would have been able to, to track them with the U.S. Space Force. And, uh, you know, we can track bits and pieces, and we know that there's thousands of bits floating around in orbit. Uh, and that's why we keep blowing stuff up up in space, you know, so we can create more junk. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, I think that they're popping through uh, from, from a different dimension. And along with that, I think it was about 10, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, the Large Hadron Collider actually did an experiment where they tried to open a dimensional gate and send a message through. Uh, nothing was ever, more was ever said about it, but they said they were going to try it. Wow. Oh, that would be that would be really cool, man. If we get something on that one, ahead, I have Justin. to say I watched a show called Stranger Things where that does not go well. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. in yeah. in the in the military they have a saying: uh, "Never draw fire on your own position." And so, <laughs> I, like, I like that saying. <laughs> so you know, you, you don't get up and wave a flag because you don't know who you're attracting. So, so you mean like if you're in the if you're in the woods, like, and there is maybe an angry Bigfoot, don't wood knock and sort of call them over to your position and give them that, that's, <laughs> that's absolutely correct because right. you, you may you may get your wish. All right, Matthew Knapp might be able to talk about that because I believe he's probably done calls and wood knocks. But Matt, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't suggest doing it. <laughs> <laughs> It's for the brave and stupid. You take your pick, which one you are at the time. Uh, I usually started out brave and ended up stupid. I I was kind of curious. Uh, <laughs> having grown up in Oklahoma, I've had lots of uh, you know friendships and relationships and family members, you know, involved in the tribe, and all of this stuff that you guys talk about. I mean, the main rule is don't talk about it. You know, it, it, uh, these are taboo subjects, um, especially whenever it comes to speaking with people outside of the tribe. Have either one of you received any blowback from tribal members or anything about being open and being on, you know, national television and coming on podcasts and stuff in relation to this stuff? Not me, myself. But John and I were really close with 
a an elder from another tribe and he would join us presenting regarding star people and UFOs and different things and he's he's no longer with us but back in the day he got so much flack from other tribal members and the tribe itself and it was sad because all he was trying to do is is convey his pride in the teachings that he had and the knowledge that he had and share it with all people universally and uh, so I know that did happen with some some individuals, but I haven't ever experienced that yet. It's not to say that it won't happen, especially with things like the unsolved mysteries, you know. But we do try to approach any of these subjects with respect and uh, dignity and uh, those kind of things. I'll let John speak. Yeah, and and when we start our slide presentation, we have a disclaimer that says that these are our opinions, and we don't they don't represent any uh, uh, Navajo Nation or department or you know any other any other uh, ideas out there. That these are just our opinions, and we're entitled to those. Um, I'll tell you, I. I um... I'm going to let's go with like a last round of questions and then we'll go with cabbie goodbyes. We did have to say goodbye to Miss Leah. Miss Leah is uh, uh, hosting Invisible Night School uh, tonight. So that's where she headed off to to host her own show. But uh, you guys will see her on cab. But that that's a future announcement. Right, Nathan? OK, I'll it was quiet. good to have her. Yeah. It, yeah, I know she did. She did a great job, man. We, we just knew she, that's the first time we've ever been on air with her. But we knew she was going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, so, gentlemen, um, what I'm curious about uh, for my final question is when you guys get together and hang out, um, what are the conversations that 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 come up beyond? I mean, I'm sure you guys are checking in on one another's families and there is probably prob there is an unspoken bond between you that's sort of very much uh, like Thomas Jefferson and, and John Adams, I'm sure. Um, but what, what are the conversations that come up when you guys get together and go fishing or hang out? It's usually about guitars and music. <laughs> Playing okay. guitar. Are you going to play? Cause you mentioned but, Metallica. Is that coming off the wall? Because oh, I'm yeah. here for that, man. <laughs> it could. Uh, but John and I, um, uh, we're brothers. I mean, um, uh, yes, we worked together for many, many, many years. But his family, you know, I visit them and they're like my family and vice versa. He, he visits with family members I have. And um, so it would be any conversation that two brothers have. Yeah, there may be a little more of the paranormal subject in the on any given month, we're we're participating in podcasts like we are tonight. Uh, we may be filming, you know, two or three times a month with different productions and stuff. So, a lot of the conversation ends up being 
the paranormal. And uh, but yeah, I mean, he has a huge interest in in fly fishing, and and uh, so yeah, it runs the gamut of all kinds of things. So. That's awesome, man. I figured you guys are like brothers. It must have yeah. sucked when he when he when he retired. You must have been bummed out. You retired around the same time I did. So, <laughs> well, actually, I was really happy for him. I mean, John, he worked many, many, many years in law enforcement, and he deserves every minute he has in his retirement. So, um, I was. It was hard to see him not be there each and every day, but. I was glad to see him to be able to enjoy his retirement and, and relax a little bit, you know, but we still yeah. do. We still do the cases today. I mean, I, I, I love that. We, yeah. And we, so that'll be, the, we're going to do a part two with you guys on an, on another episode, but let me pass it over to money. Nathan, John, did you want to reply or do you speak up there? I didn't know if you, I, yeah, I was going to say uh, after I retired in 2011, uh, two weeks later, I was working for a, a different private company uh, making medical devices. And um, so I, I, had a, I got another retirement there. And now I retired from that one last year. So uh, now I'm drawing Social Security. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I've got enough money now that I can buy a better brand of dog food to eat every day. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little upset that he still has his hair. Uh, Nathan, he still has all his hair. It's beautiful. And yeah. I haven't got to my second retirement yet. And I, you know, like you see what, what's happened. I don't know if that was a result of a skinwalker. I don't know what the hell happened. But anyway, go ahead, uh, Nathan. Um, you alluded to this earlier uh, in talking about some of the you know, rituals within the the history of, of the Navajo people and uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. So there are some, there are different kinds of modalities of, of thinking about reality and, and you know, trance states or altered states of consciousness, or even the use of psychedelics in some traditions. Um, how do you think about those ways of, of acquiring information, which is, you know, different than the standard investigative model, you know, where you're looking for bits of evidence and, and you're logging it and, you know, charting out the facts uh, but we have other ways of knowing that our traditions kind of point toward that, that fall outside those boundaries. What What are your thoughts about those? John, you want to jump in? <laughs> oh boy. Uh, that's, that's a pretty good question. Um, boy, there's, there's just so much. Uh, we take it for granted. Although, because we didn't uh, necessarily grow up full time on Navajo, uh, as as a ranger, you're there to protect cultural resources along with archaeological resources. So we had to literally study about the culture to uh, understand uh, what the thinking was and to be respectful. Uh, we also worked with medicine men on uh, how to approach an archaeological site and what to do and not do when you're there. Uh, because the Navajo people believe that if you go to that place, uh, a spirit can attach itself to you and follow you back. And uh, so how do you go about that? You know, what, do you, what if you went over there and, and you did something and offended uh, any spirits that are there? 
So they gave us a, a whole list of things, uh, what to do and what not to do. And they said, it's your job. You have to be there. So, you know, this, this will help you. Um, so, yeah, there's the thinking is different. Um, and then we have to switch over again. You know, when, when there's an incident, a police incident, uh, you know, man, armed man barricaded with a weapon. And, you know, you go out there and attach yourself to a different SWAT team. Uh, Stan had to do that up in Monument Valley during the Four Corners manhunt. And uh, they actually had a government SWAT team that went in and had to be rescued uh, wow. because, they, because they showed up uh, wearing black uh, BDUs and uh, in, in 100-degree heat and ran from boulder to boulder, uh, leapfrogging each other. And after a mile of doing that, they were, they were so out of it and heat stroke that uh, they had to have a team go in and get them. Uh, <laughs> whereas Stan stayed out there for months and, uh, and, and you know, worked that operation. So, you know, you, you, just, you just have all this stuff. You know, hey, these guys in all black, they look sexy. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> they forgot the uh, camelback with Gatorade. He said that, not me. <laughs> but uh, but you know, looking looking sexy doesn't <laughs> doesn't take care of what you need to do. Right. And uh, and you know, we live out there, so we know we know what to expect. And you know, we're we're not going to go out there without the proper equipment and and uh, be able to shade up and and you know when you need to or. Or do what you need to do um, for the train. Yep. Wear clothing that blends in with the environment. You guys are seven kinds of badass is all I got to say. Uh, last question for Debs. Yeah, I guess one of the things that I'm um, concerned about is the loss of culture, the loss of tradition. And even, you know, we know there's loss of language going on across the country and in other countries, you know, in indigenous Australia, the same thing is happening. So because there is that caution about sharing stories, um, what is being done to preserve those things? Will it come out and be shared with everyone ever? Will it be something that, um, is reserved for everybody you know well, well i mean i'm just concerned about that you mean the traditions the native traditions yes um okay. all of the different tribes yes all of it will it be shared with with just humankind in general the rest yes of that's that i guess that okay. is what i'm worried about the loss to okay. humankind if because this is these are ancient ancient stories that are being passed down and i have concerns about their loss well, uh, let me, I'll, I'll go first and I'll let Stan uh, end. But um, in the uh, Apache tribe of Oklahoma, and these are what they call Plains Apaches. So we wore the war bonnets and wore the buckskin and, and rode horses and chased buffalo. Uh, during that time, uh, they lost a lot of their culture, a lot of the language. And, and they're a very small tribe. Uh, the women in the tribe brought back the uh, Manatee Society or the Warrior Society uh, that they call the Blackfoot Society. Uh, they brought back the dances that were almost, you know, gone. 
they actually had to research it and figure out how to do these dances again. And uh, they came back. The, the, the society split into two different societies. And um, that when that happened, a lot of people were very alarmed. But the tribe said, hey, there's two different societies. Let them both run. And because it's keeping those traditions alive. So now you have the Red Bone Society and you have the uh, Chalapa Society. Um, and uh, I belong to the Red Bone Society. Um, so there's things in, in Navajo, those languages is being taught in the schools now. And it's being taught at the college level. Um, Stan? Well, as far as like the language and stuff, I know they're throughout the Navajo reservation, there are a number of what they refer to as immersion schools where uh, school-age children are, are being taught uh, the Navajo language, um, hence the word immersion. There is no English taught in the school. It's the, solely the Navajo language. And I think that, um, yes, in a lot of indigenous cultures, there is the loss and potential loss of uh, traditional teachings, you know, things like herbology. Uh, um, but I think there's also mechanisms that that you and I may not be aware of that are in place to try to retain and protect those teachings. Um, I know like with the medicine men, it's my understanding there are mechanisms in place to be able to retain certain ceremonies and things of that nature that go beyond my knowledge of, 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 of these things. And so, Hopefully, you know, um, we as a human race will learn to put away, put aside our prejudice and uh, and try to be supportive of one another and to be um, more open and caring and understanding of other people's ideas and thoughts and uh, um, I think we still have a long way to go I mean you look at the wars that are still happening in 2023 uh, and the loss of life related to these kind of conflicts um, but I still have hope and faith that we we as a human race can work toward that i love it that and that is a lot of what this this show's about is to try to bring that sort of positive welcoming we're extremely yeah. curious about everybody's culture and language and someday i hope to make it out to the res so i can experience this firsthand um i just well let us know when you're coming out i, I will we'll, i will that, we'll, that we'll show you around I, yeah, I do a lot of, I've lived in New Mexico. I retired in New Mexico, actually, and, and I, I do go out there for work. 
for the Air Force. So uh, let's let Matt Knapp get his last question in there. Jeez, I don't even want to follow that up with a question. It's uh, great, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you could go with Cabby Goodbye if you don't have one. It's totally okay. I, I, I'll just ask this real quick. Uh, now that both of you gentlemen are retired, is there a new dynamic duo that's taken over? Uh, uh, taking on the the mantle of these investigations for the tribe? No. I, I, yeah. You know, uh, there was a, when John and I worked in his special projects unit, there was a uniqueness to myself, John, and our chief ranger at that time. You know, like John said, I grew up, you know, between Oklahoma and 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 going to school in a public school and then on on the Navajo side learning the culture so having that dual perspective and then the same for the chief ranger who uh was very traditional but grew up in school in in uh, Salt Lake City Utah and then the same for John coming from Los Angeles and 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 the Navajo Reservation. So it was a unique situation there that allowed the formation of this uh, investigative team. But today that that doesn't exist anymore. I just want to say, uh, so we have Dr. Simeon Hine uh, in the chat. He's saying Navajos and guitars. I mean, he is the last guest of CAB to play guitar on air so 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 what i'm thinking is for a, a second episode uh you guys have done an investigation you come on you talk uh then stan breaks out the guitar uh plays some guitar sings what kind of music are we doing stan what, what are you into <laughs> i graduated in 1984 uh in oklahoma and i was into the hair metal bands and Woo! and uh I that's what I love. I I still play the heavy metal stuff and the hard rock stuff today. Although uh John is more uh in the classic music uh rock and then some of the older, you know, rock stuff and uh so it can, it's a wide wide range. I, I was going to say I'm with both you guys. I like heavy yeah. metal. I I'm, yeah. I graduated in 85 a year after you. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I'm also really into sixties and seventies classic rock. So, yeah. I mean, if you're going to play wanted dead or alive or something, you yeah. know, you're a cowboy on a steel horse, you ride, there's not going to be any issues here. And maybe even Dr. Simeon Hine will. Okay. Julie has a question. We got to get in here for you guys. And maybe Dr. Hine will come on and we'll have a, a duet with you guys. Uh, anyway, so Julie, uh, this is from Kurt M. He wants to know, did you work in and around the Chinley res? Uh, definitely. Yes. Yes. Kurt, the answer is yes, they did. Cause their, their, uh, area of operations was Colorado, Arizona, and parts of New Mexico said three States in their area of responsibility. So I can, I can't even imagine what these guys have run into, man. Uh, the Navajo reservation is 27,000 square miles. So it's the size of the West Virginia. And Incredible. when I left, there was eight remaining rangers providing enforcement over that area. 
That's ridiculous. Amazing. That, that's absurd. And John and I patrolled every inch of the res. We covered all of the res. I've, I have no doubt. And uh, the size of West Virginia. At least you didn't have Mothman to deal with. We could celebrate that, right? No Mothman? <laughs> He's not going to answer. Oh. <laughs> we can't talk about that. Yeah. No, we're not going to get into the Mothman. Well, we, we actually had uh, one of our rangers that saw a Thunderbird. Oh, and, <laughs> and he had... Uh, he almost had his degree uh, in wildlife biology. And uh, he told us that this thing was between Gallup and Grants, and it must have had a 40-foot wingspan to the north. And um, mm. I, I want to see that thing because I want one of those feathers. Wow. Yeah, I can only imagine, man. You'd be, like, protected from all kinds of stuff if you had one of those. <laughs> uh, let's – you know what, man – yeah, and I've, I have other questions, but uh, but I, re I really think it would be better. We'll, we'll do a, a part two like and get together with you guys after um, you guys have gone out on something. I know you have other filming to do, but l let's go with Cabby Goodbyes with the co-creator of this right here thing, Money Nathan. <laughs> Thanks, DJ. Uh, yeah, again, guys, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you're just oh, an you're absolute welcome. pleasure uh, and uh, really grateful for all that you've done and what you're working on and, and willingness you. to speak about these things. So thank you so much. And as you just said, we'd love to have another chance to talk with you again in the future and, and wish you luck on your, on your current projects. Thank you. Yeah, thank we you. appreciate that. Okay. And now we have, so cabby goodbyes, we have to go around the table. So Debs. I am so honored that you spoke to us. I um, feel very much more, you know, enlightened and I, and I hope we get to talk again. I feel like I have so many more questions <laughs> and I definitely want to hear you play Me the too. guitar. Stan, I really just like desperate for you to take it off the wall. Um, and I, and I noticed the Japanese work behind you, John, and wanted to see <laughs> more of that. So, um, yeah, so very, very much appreciative of you both. Um, and, Thank you. um, I also was going to say, I really hope that you guys are thinking about doing a book. We're working on books right now. Yeah. Harper Collins, baby. Come yeah. get some. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, Matt Knapp with his cabbie goodbye. Yeah. Uh, just repeating sentiments. Thank you, gentlemen, for both for joining. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully, I can convince you guys to come on my show someday. Uh, but I also want to say, uh, you know, thank you for the work that you guys did and continue to do. Uh, thank you for taking it seriously and sure. uh, treating it with the respect that it deserves and treating the people with the respect that they deserve who are uh, witnessing and encountering these things. Yeah. Thank you. I've enjoyed being a part of this and I would like if, you know, to suggest we do a follow-up, you know, show and I would like us to be able to open it up a little more to the public, just like what you mentioned uh with lane and, and the other individual there yes thank you for watching and i would like to get questions from individuals like that you know they that may have something to ask of, of all of us really i think so we will we will do that great uh, idea. in fact we want to bring on lane and and um landon. what's her name landon so landon. yeah so I, i'd like to have them on the show and what we can do is just bring them on next time when you're on there so they can ask their questions uh, live on air 
Uh, That'd be nice. We'll just, we'll just, we can just do the chat. Absolutely. And I, although I do have a few questions, Stan, I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> I wanted to know stuff, but you know, the thing is that, you know, when you bring on a bunch of talented people, you have to table sometimes things that you have to let yeah. other people get in there. And I'm, I'm True. So proud of, of the, the, the team that we have here. And I'm, I'm happy to give away, give up it was great. my questions. Yeah. So, um, so that's it. That's all we have for you tonight. Um, it, it was an honor. And really, again, I just want to reiterate to you, John and Stan, um, the uncommon valor with which you carried out your duties. Uh, I, 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 it just, it, it can't be stated enough. It's not something that everybody can do. And I know you've heard people say that before. Um, I, I've, you know, I've come from a military background. I'm say I'm, I'm astonished with, uh, with what you guys do because it's a different type of courage. In addition to the courage that you guys had under fire as SWAT team members, there's a different type of courage that's necessary to take on the unknown and the paranormal. There's some, some very, very brave men in combat uh, that wouldn't necessarily find a place of comfort in positions that you guys found yourselves in. And when, and when I ask you that, you went at it again and again and again and again and didn't know uh, what you were going to face that night. But, you, but you, you did it, and you did it without, uh, uh, without any, any complaining and just said, you know what, we're going to go for it. We're not scared. We're not going to let that fear take us over and keep us from doing what we know we need to do for our community. And I salute you for that. So, Thank you. Uh, yes, gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Both, both me and Stan will be at Roswell this year, uh, speaking there. Nice. And, uh, and I'll be at, uh, Alien Con in Pasadena in March. Oh, cool. Can That's I great. get an amen? Anything, uh, and by the way, anything, John, uh, that you send me, any links, we will put them. We do very, very robust show notes. We noticed that you're not on Twitter, but anything that you guys want us to put in the show notes, just text it to me, email it to me, whatever, and uh, I will put them in those notes. Okay? Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, for Stan, for John, for Nathan, for Debs, for our guest co-host Matt Knapp, and for Leah Primetime, this is DJ. To everybody saying peace out, one love. We'll see you down the road. We're always wondering what's up around the bend. Thank you. Thank you.